both born in the same in hospital. 1921. Seven days apart. In the same hospital. We both grew up we one block away from each other. On the Lower East Side. On Delancey Street. My family moved to the Bronx he when I was 10. lived on Fordham Road. Hers moved when she was I 11. I lived on 183rd Street. For six years, she worked on the 15th floor. I worked for floor a very prominent as a neurologist. Nurse, where Dr. I had a practice on the 14th floor, the very same we building. We never met. Never met. Can you imagine that? Do you know where we met? In an elevator. I was visiting family. In the Ambassador Hotel in Chicago, He was Illinois. on the third floor. I was on the 12th. I rode up nine extra floors just to keep talking to her. Nine extra floors. Hello, Table family. How are we doing tonight? Welcome to the table. I hope you're ready to feast on God's word as we talk about romance added to friendship. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them or swipe them open. Song of Solomon chapter 2. That's what we're going to look at here today. To set things up, I just want to remind us where we've been. We've been in a six-week series of talks on friendship. It's called Friends Plus, as you guys can see on the screen here. And the whole idea behind this is that friendship is the best foundation upon which to build any kind of relationship, especially romantic ones. Um, but even if something doesn't become romantic, friendship is great to have anyway. And so the whole point of this entire six-week series of talks is to, to have us pursue friendship. And I have this kind of bin up here just as a, a quick reminder for us. I want you to imagine that this bin is your life. In fact, this is your friend zone, okay? This is the friend zone, Okay? And you don't put people in friend zone who you don't like. We're challenging you to think, put people in the friend zone who you do like. And so uh, imagine each one of these balls represents a human being. You go out to a, you know, a party, you're at a coffee shop, you're at a bar, you're at you know, someplace, and you're like, oh, I met this person. Let's put him in the friend zone, right? And I meet this person, guy or girl, doesn't matter. You put them in the friend zone. And you meet this guy or girl, and you, you, know, you like them, you put them in the friend zone. And so Week one of this was all about putting people in the friend zone, right? Enlarge your friend zone because you can flex into anything out of that. You can add a work relationship or a ministry possibility or even a dating relationship on top of friendship. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? You still have friends. It's a great thing. In week two, we said, okay, as you're adding things into the friend zone, one of the things you want to do is make sure you try to minimize the amount of toxic relationships in here. You want friends, not fools, so every so often you should look at your friend list and just go, nope. Uh, you're like, yeah, listen, I love you, but I'm setting a boundary. Let's, uh, let's work on that. So that what's in your friend zone are friends, not fools. And at any point, if you go, hey, that sounds really interesting. I didn't hear that message. Uh, you can go onto YouTube and look up the Table Orlando. All our messages in video kind of format are on there. You can watch them later on. You can see those messages. Last week, what we looked at is the idea that you've got this friend zone, and someone, like it has here, someone has emerged at the top. There's someone who stands out, and you go, hey, man, I really like this friend. I like spending one-on-one -on -time, -on -one time with this friend. What does it look like to add dating to friendship? What does it look like to take one of these people and just start dating them? Again, not with uh, a goal of trying to be romantic, not with a goal of trying to, like, sleep with them. No, no that's just, I want to get to know them a little bit better. And so dating is this process that you do with your friends. We date our friends. We go on dates to try to figure out if there's chemistry, if there's character, if there's competency, if it seems like we could spend a life together as life partners and figure out how to kind of live together. So 
Dating generally becomes this process that we can use, Christians can utilize, to try to arrive at what we're going to talk about here tonight. And that is, what happens when one of the friends who rises to the top, you start dating them, and you're like, man, I really like this person, and you find yourself, you're on dates with this person, and you'll know this, okay? You're on dates, you're like, man, I really like this person, and you lean in, you're talking, you're like, this is so great, and you're just like, Oh, oh, what's happening? Like, why are my lips moving? Well, like, there's just some kind of physical that happens where you're just like, man, we're just good friends. We're just, we're just good friends. I just want to, you know, you're sitting on the couch with them and you're just like, oh. Right? You just, you find yourself wanting to kind of express this affection with them. And really, the question boils down to this. When is it time to add romance to friendship? When is it time to add a little romance to friendship? And this is a crucially important question for two, two kinds of people. Number one, for the people who are friends, who have been maybe dating casually as just friends, but you realize you're ready to maybe make it a little more exclusive because you, have, you, you see that marriage is probably coming right around the corner, so you want to make that into an exclusive dating relationship. You want to add romance to the mix as part of that preparatory process for moving towards what Anna Luisa and Leo were talking about today, this whole engagement process. So that's one kind of people, dating people who, who, who go, I want to go to the next level, and I think romance is going to be a part of that. How and when does that happen here? But the second group I want to speak to are married couples or couples who are kind of together here now, in which we have a whole bunch of you. In fact, Monday, we just launched a brand new life group, a couple's life group, because we have so many of you guys getting engaged and getting married, which is great. Um, and so we had to kind of create another one on Monday, and it was really great, and those people are great. But, but many of you are couples here today, and you go, well, Doug, listen, we're already married. Why, why should we listen about romance? Well, as you guys may know, and maybe if you're kind of single here today and this isn't part of you, I just want to speak from the future here back to you guys. I want to get in a time machine like Marty McFly and go back to the future and tell you guys about this. Listen, uh, some of the least romantic people on the planet are married couples, and here's why. Because once you get married and the ring's on the finger, all the guys are like, gotcha, right? You, you've kind of been in this bad habit of using romance as a way to get sex. Well, now you have sex anytime you want it. And so you go, why do I need to be romantic? And so sex just becomes this thing you do. And oftentimes couples will struggle because there's a lot of sex, but there's no romance. Because we've forgotten how to add romance to the relationship. And so if you're a married couple, you're a couple who's here today, I want you to pay attention to this too. Because Solomon's going to give wisdom both for the single person and for the married person on how to add romance into the relationship. And we're going to learn romance is something that we are going to actively have to participate in for the remainder of our lives if we're someone who's going to be in a couple relationship. Now, to set all this up, just to kind of give you guys some uh, philosophical context here, I want you to just think with me and kind of just process with me how common it is in our culture to treat romance as this kind of I don't know. It's almost like this magic spell that we use to get what we want uh, in other people who we treat as material objects or just kind of these objects. So just I want you to think about this. We'll let's look at a couple of quotes. The first one I think is going to be a quote by Miley Cyrus. You guys may know. It's my party. I can do what I want. I can kiss who I want. Right? So this idea of the physical expression of romance is just like I'm at a party. Right? I'm just walking around like that person looks good. Uh, right? 
And we use kissing as a way to start a relationship. Hey, nice to meet you. Uh, and then we start a relationship that way. Now, some of you are from other countries where kissing is maybe a little more prominent, where you're like, well, you always kiss the cheek to start a relationship. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talk- I mean, I think in here in Miley's context is there's some making out going on. There's, there's a little more than just a polite greeting kiss, right? Uh, this is a, I'm going to make out with you. And then when we wake up from that, we're like, hey, cool. So today, do you want to go on a date, right? There's kind of that whole thing going on. Our culture uses uh, romantic affection as a way to get people's attention, to start relationships. Uh, and so um, for many of you, when you think about romancers, like, oh, it's always part of the dating process. Well, again, I just want you to kind of keep that in mind. Notice, um, I was researching this, and so before we see this next quote, I got on Huffington Post. Anybody read Huffington Post? Well, maybe we shouldn't raise hands because that, like, kind of shows you something. But on Huff Post, there was this person who was writing on Huff Post, and, and they said, you know, making out with your friends is always kind of a fun thing, but, you know, it, it can kind of, you know, as you grow up, you learn some things. Now that we're older, there are other factors to consider that never concerned us back then when we were kids. Things like the other person's feelings, for instance. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you never considered the other person's... See, I had this, like, fit of rage as an older man, like in America. I'm like, I can't believe people would ever do that. Then I scrolled back through my high school photos and I was like, oh, that was me. Yeah. Because I was definitely the guy that just made out with people all the time. And I never considered other people's feelings. Well, why did I do that? Because I was a terrible person. But also, why did I do that? Because our culture and the way I was raised always taught us that romance and and, and expressions of physical affection, they're just kind of haphazardly thrown about in these relationships without ever considering much of what it communicates and its intended purpose. And it left a lot of the girls that I made out with feeling heartbroken. And a lot of the girls who randomly made out with me, it left me feeling heartbroken. And it just seems to be a really inefficient uh, and disrespectful way of approaching life. But lest you think this is a recent phenomenon, uh, phenomenon with Miley Cyrus uh, and with uh, this lady, nice lady from HuffPost, I want you to watch this clip from Seinfeld. And spoiler alert, I may have downloaded this from YouTube because there are definitely Hebrew subtitles on this video. Uh, But it's the only one I could find, and I'm sorry, Seinfeld, I'll send you money later. But I want you to watch this clip from a Seinfeld episode in the early 90s. So almost 30 years ago, Jerry Seinfeld and Elaine, these characters are late 30s, early 40-somethings, people my age, and they're still struggling with this issue. Take a look at this scene right here. Another shot. I want another shot. You mean? Yes. Oh, no, I don't think. Come on. One shot, I could do it. I know I could do it. Jerry, we're friends. We can't do that. It would ruin our friendship. Oh, friendship. Friendship's manship. No, that's important to me. We won't ruin the friendship. Yes, we will. Elaine. No, Jerry, it is you know what sex does to a friendship? It kills it. Half hour. Give me half hour. No. Okay, 15 minutes. I guarantee you, 15 minutes, I can make it happen. No. You're worried I'll be able to do it, aren't you? What? No, it doesn't matter. Jerry, I don't care. No, no, that's it. That's it. You like having this over me. You don't want me to do it. That is so ridiculous. Come on, Elaine. No. Elaine. No. Let's go. I'll give you half an hour. Are you serious? Look, 
Jerry, we have to have sex to save the friendship. Sex to save the friendship. Well, if we have to, we... Yeah, so, so I want you to pay attention just in terms of pop culture. In the early 90s, you've got two characters on a major television show, which, by the way, back then, people could only watch TV by watching television. There was no Netflix, no streaming. So, you know, millions of people are watching this episode, and they are seeing this image on a screen. Two people who are in a casual friendship going, well, we should just have sex to save the friendship. And people laugh at that and go, ha-ha, that's so funny. Listen. Those people could be your parents. They could. And so if you ever had your parents go, hey, don't have sex tonight, you could just look at them and be like, Seinfeld. Uh, this was your generation that did that. And by the way, in the 60s in America, there was a cultural revolution, and people just had sex indiscriminately all the time. And that was your grandparents, Right. And long before that, in the Roaring Twenties, there were all these people in America having sex all the time. Listen, this issue of how we add romance to a friendship, it's an ancient problem. People have always struggled with this. And so tonight, I want to look at an ancient solution to this problem. We've been listening to a guy named Solomon who was the wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus, who wrote all of this stuff in the Old Testament. He wrote in this book called Proverbs. He also wrote in a book called Song of Solomon. And he speaks to this very issue. And it's the text that Anna Luisa read earlier. And so I want us to dive into this right now. And to set it up, let me tell you what he's going to do. He's going to answer two questions. Number one, when do we know it's time to add romance to the friendship? What are the indicators there? Number two, how do I go about doing that? How do we go about um, adding romance back into the relationship? Again, that's something that's going to be critically important both for singles and for couples. And then finally, he's going to offer us a warning. But without further ado, let's look at this. It'll be on your screen, on your phones. Here we go. Solomon writes, and he is writing of uh, the woman in this relationship. So he's going to write about the woman, and he's going to write about the man. Of the woman, he says, As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Okay, what's going on there? Solomon is answering the question, when do we know? When do I know that it's time with this person who I've been kind of dating casually, when is it time to start dating more exclusively? Like, how am I going to know when that is? And um, just so that you guys know... Let me make a distinction between two types of dating. Casual dating is, I got a friend. We're going out. There's nothing physical. There's no physical affection. I'm just getting to know you. Again, I'm trying to understand the three C's. Uh, Does this person have consistent character? Does this person have chemistry? Do we have chemistry together? Uh, Do me and this person, do we seem to have the same competency? Are we running at the same speed? Are we pulling in the same direction and the same traction levels? Okay. And what Solomon is saying is, Once you get to the point where those are checks, uh, it's time to move on, and you're going to know it because this is going to be true. She's going to stand out, and he's going to stand out. She's going to stand out among your other female friends, and he's going to stand out among your other male friends, and and probably in very particular ways, okay? She's going to stand out because she's like a lily among the brambles. In other words, She is blossoming wherever she is planted. 
in a way that just seems, um, it just seems beautiful and radiant and full of life. Brambles are dead things. Uh, a lily is a, uh, an alive thing. He's not saying all the other girls out here are dead and she's alive, but he's, he's saying she, among all my other female friends in this bucket here, she just seems to stand out the most. As I look on my female friends, as I spend time with them, this is the one who stands out, and, and she is just like this lily who is blossoming and all that's going on in life. She is, seems to just have life in her job. She has life in her friendship group. She has life in her ministry. She has life while she drives on I-4, right? Like when she's on I-4 and people cut her off, she's like, that's okay, merge, right? It's okay. And she rolls down the window, pulls up a rosary and prays over people. You're just like, man, there is life in this woman, right? Also, she's Catholic, and I'm down with that, right? Uh, So there's just that kind of thing about her. Him, he stands out in a very particular way, uh, and that is... um, he is like an apple tree among this orchard. Uh, an apple tree in this case would have been quite tall, right? And so you can see her. She, she feels safe sitting under his branches, under the canopy of that tree. And his fruit is sweet to the touch, and it tastes good, meaning his character, everything about him is safe. The, it's girls, when there's one guy who takes you out on dates, and the more you go on dates with them, the more he stands out among your guy friends, and you just feel incredibly safe around him, like you, you start to have this thought, man, this guy reminds me of my dad, right? And not in a creepy way, right? It's like, man, he has got a dad bod for sure. That pot belly is fantastic. I bet he snores when he sleeps. This is awesome. Not that kind of way, right? Uh, I just feel safe around him. Like if we had a home together, he would be the one who goes up each night and locks the doors and the windows and makes sure everything's safe and the alarm's on and the dog is ready to go and the gun is under the bed and the hatchet is behind the pillow. Like, like if some ish goes down, he is ready to go, right? Like I just feel safe around this man. And so when, ladies, when a guy stands out in that way and you have character and chemistry and competency and you feel safe with them, That's your kind of, aha, this might be time to move into the exclusive phase of dating with him. Where you're not dating anyone else, you're dating him with the goal of seeing if marriage is on the other end of this. And for her, when you see her and she stands out among your lady friends and you go, she just seems to be blossoming and there's a lot of life and energy and character and chemistry and competency, it's time to kind of ask her if she wants to be exclusive in our dating with an eye towards marriage. And once you move into that exclusive mode of dating, um, that's when you start to think about adding romantic affection. So the answer, when do we add romance to our friendship? When the other person stands out among your friend group. That's it. Okay? I remember where we were with me and Natalie. Um, As I told you, uh, at least the first time we started dating, Natalie broke up with me because I was a jerk. But kind of the way we knew we were ready to start being exclusive um, is that... I mean, just among all the girls in our young adult ministry at the time, just over and over again, she stood out. In fact, I think I may have told you guys this. My senior pastor of my church pulled me aside, and he said, it was me and another intern named Aaron. He was like, Doug and Aaron, come here. And we were like, yes, sir. He goes, any of you know this Natalie Cravey girl? And we were like, yes. And he's like, if one of you, I tell you what, if one of you two don't end up dating her, y'all are idiots, and I may fire you. And I was like, yes, sir, right? I was a rule follower. I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, and so I just, I asked him, I was like, sir, why is it that she stands out? He said, she's the godliest 19 year old woman I've ever seen in my life. 
and he was really old. So like that had some wisdom to it, right? This wasn't like a young pastor who was like, yeah, bro, she's super godly. This was like an older gentleman with refined gray streaks in his hair and bushy eyebrows. Like you got to trust that dude, right? Uh, And so I was like, oh man, she just stood out. And so when we had our first DTR, do you guys know what a DTR? It's when you define the relationship, right? So just, just, this is just a pro tip, okay? If you're in casual dating and you get to that point where you go, ah, oh, man, kind of what are we? Are we going to be exclusive? I mean, she stands out and I think I stand out. Then you, you go out on the next date and you go, hey, can we have a DTR? And if she's like, what's a DTR? You're like, um, define the relationship. Like, what are your expectations? What are my expectations? Like, how, are we on the same page here? I'm ready to move forward into an exclusive thing. Are you ready? And she says yes. And you go, cool. And then you order dessert. Like, that's just how that works, right? Uh, And that's what we did. It was like, hey, are you ready to be exclusive? She said, yeah, I'm ready to be exclusive. And that's when we knew. That's when we knew it was time to really start like, hey, man, the next step, the next DTR from this is engagement. So we are somewhere between being exclusive and being engaged. Like, it's real now. It really matters. We have to have our game face on. This is all really important. And that's kind of how that works. That's what's going on with Solomon. She stands out. And he stands out. And so they're ready to start moving to the next phase. And I want you to notice what happens in verse 4 because Solomon's now going to start answering how this goes about. How, once you make that decision, how do you go about adding romance into the friendship? We've been friends. We've never really held hands. Like, how do I start that? Do I just, is it mechanical where you go, we are exclusive now. We must hold hands, not interlocking digits. That's next week. This week's just palm to palm. Next week's interlocking digits, and then the progression moves from there. Like, how does it work? Is it natural? Is it mechanical? How does this all work? And here's what Solomon says. Verse 4. He brought me into the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. Now, let me just kind of pause here. What's going on here? Like, what does it mean that he's bringing her into the banqueting house? Is that like a date? Yes, it's a date. But it's a very specific kind of date, right? So there's a table, and there's a banquet, and there's food, and there's other people. Um, The only kind of people who would go into a banqueting house would be royalty. And so what Solomon is saying, or what she is saying through Solomon's words is, he makes me feel like royalty. He brings me into this special place and he parades me around in front of all of his friends and says, this is my girlfriend and I am so happy to be in a relationship with her. He, he, he brings her to the banqueting house. Otherwise, notice he brings me into the wine house. There is a wine party. The wine is flowing. And I know some of you don't drink wine. You don't drink alcohol. That's totally okay. But people who do tell us that, you know, when you drink alcohol, sometimes it feels kind of buzzy. Okay, you've heard of people having buzzes before, right? Okay, there's kind of a buzziness that's going on. Like, they're just kind of like, and the buzziness isn't being drunk from wine. It's being drunk from love. Like, he's showing me off to all his friends, and I just feel so pretty. And, like, it's, a, it's just kind of a, there's kind of this something that's going on. Uh, uh, couples, couples who are here, this is your office party you have to go to. And you bring your spouse as your plus one, Okay. When you show up, do you go, all right, honey, this is the thing. You know what the deal is. There's the open bar. See you later. And you leave her, right? Or do you go, let me show you off to all the department heads and just kind of have you twirl in your dress and just show you how wonderful you are and then look at all of my coworkers and be like, yeah, that's right. That's who I go home with. Yes, right? And you go, okay, that might be weird. 
listen, every girl wants to be the girl that every guy is super proud of and is like, yes, that's who I go home with. And this is what Solomon's talking about. Like you pick, you like walk into the office party and you're like, that's right, lily among the brambles, y'all. Pay attention. Why is there a lily pattern on her dress? Because she's a lily among the brambles, y'all, right? It feels like we're drunk all the time and we're not even drinking wine because I am in such deep love with her and I am so proud to show her off. When you show up at the table, if you guys are dating exclusively, you guys walk in and you're like, yeah, that's right. Two chairs, please, Mr. Jared, because (laughs) it's me and her. That's right. We're together. There's a sense of pride. And she's also proud, too, because she is like, this is the king. I'm with the king right now. He is taking me to a banqueting table. This is incredible. This guy rolls out the whole table. It wasn't enough to just go to Ikea and build a table. This is a banqueting table, y'all, that he built for me with his bare hands out of walnut. This is some top quality, heavy, definitely porous wood system he's got with some Odie's oil on top and a varnish that makes it pop in the light, and I'm sitting in it because he's my king. There is just a sense of respect and regalia that's going on. There's something else that's really interesting that's going on here. He says, the banner over me is love. Now, is this guy renting a plane and flying around the sky? Is he like that one guy at Disney that just like writes the clouds and it's just like love, right? My girlfriend's name, right? Well, yes and no. uh, In war, again, in this time, you would have walked out to fight and you would have had a giant banner and it would have had scribed on it and scribbled on it, it would have had the name or kind of your virtue or your value or your, your coat of arms, your house or something like that. So whatever is on the banner is really important. And his banner over her that he carries around or he pays somebody to carry around says, I love her. That's where we are now. It's exclusive. I'm bringing her into this royal banquet and I love her. My, the banner over both of us is love. Let's Lest anyone be confused about this, we love each other, and we're exclusive, and this is happening. So, there's one other thing that's going on here, and I'll just kind of read this, and then we'll talk for a little bit about the how here. Um, At the very end, after verse 5, you get to verse 6, and I'll just kind of read part of it. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Now, I want you guys to just kind of think about that. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Okay, so here's here's my girl, right? Okay, so I'm going to put this down. The left hand is under my head. Okay, this is not under. I mean, it's technically under, but this is under. If the left hand's under, you're over. And the right hand is embracing. They're on the couch, y'all, okay? There's, why why would Solomon talk about this? I remember there's a guy named Tommy Nelson who's a pastor in Texas who would teach this all the time to fraternities uh, on college campuses, and he was teaching through this, and he said one guy had a Bible and was reading it and got red-faced and turned the Bible cover around to see what was on the cover because he wasn't sure this was Holy Scripture. He was like, oh my gosh, did I get a paperback? What's going on here? Uh, el amor. Um, yeah. So what's going on here? God, they're, they're moving towards some sex. That's what's going on here. This, 
this thing that's happening, the how of expressing physical romance and affection is moving them towards being horizontal. And he's like, you know, this is the part where they're breathing heavy and they're eyeball to eyeball and they're going, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Is this happening right now? Is this like that white snake video? What's going on? Like, oh my, like, you know, like, okay, yeah, uh, this is happening. Like, okay, okay, okay. And they're having that moment. So before they have that moment, let me just tell you and just rewind the how of all this. When do we add romance? It's when each, each other stands out among the others, among our friends. How do we begin to add that, especially if I'm a married couple? If I've forgotten what romance is, how do I add it back in? Or if I'm a single person, how do I add that back in? And there's, there's three ways that we see here in this text. Number one, it's in gestures. It's in gestures. In the way that you treat them, you're communicating something with your gestures, And we know from sociology, from the five love languages, there are three types of gestures that tend to kind of uh, function this way. Number one, there's acts of service. Uh, Number two, there's quality time. And number three, there's gifts. Okay? Acts of service, quality time, gifts. So, uh, acts of service. You do things for her or you do things for him. We're exclusive now. Okay? We're exclusive. We're going towards marriage. So, I actively look for ways to serve you. I know there are certain things that, that serve you, that communicates love to you, and can communicate and show and express my affection for you. So for me and Natalie, let me just go ahead and tell you what this is. It's gardening. Uh, and I know that may not sound super sexy. You're like, hey, girl, I'm going to go dig these bulbs up for you. Yeah. I'm going to lay down some black uh, gardening mats, and I'm going to stick the stakes into the ground. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, that, that may not sound immediately romantic, but let me tell you what it is. My wife loves gardening. She loves gardening. Like, nothing gives her a greater thrill than to see the banana tree that she planted uh, blossom and, and some bananas hanging on it. She will wake up in the morning, and she'll go outside, and she'll go, Doug, 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 Doug. And I'll be like, what? There's bananas. And I'm like, it's 6 in the morning. And she's like, but I was vacuuming. Like, it just, it's just the whole thing is, cr- like, she just loves it. Now, here's what you should know about me. I hate gardening. No joke, it is, number one, my least favorite thing to do ever. And let me tell you why. When I was growing up in my dysfunctional household and my parents had a fight, my dad would go outside and he would garden angry. He would have this blow-up fight with my mom and he would go outside and he was like, yeah, I'm gonna just go plant some roses, right? He would drive to Lowe's, he would come back with a bunch of roses and then he would go, Junior. I'm like, oh my gosh, my, my name is Doug Junior. So anyway, Junior, let's go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Dad. It's Saturday morning, right? This is not like I'm married and my wife is vacuuming and making me clean. This is a whole new, I'm, I'm, in, I'm like, Dad, please can't just sleep in. No, you're coming out with me. So my dad would make me angry garden with him. And my parents fought a lot and got a divorce. So there was a lot of really intense stuff. So my PTSD, not really, but I'm kind of using that jokingly, but my whole kind of traumatic experience growing up was my dad going, no, dig that circumference twice the diameter of the plant and then plant it in there. Don't forget to put the root stimulator in there, Doug. Make sure to spread the weeds or spread the the roots around so it can take root there. Yes, put in the potting soil. Make sure you add in the extra special soil. Okay, put it on top, but mound it up, not too far. And I'm just like, as a sixth grader, just going like, oh my gosh, this is like traumatic. So I get married and my wife is like, we bought a house. She goes, you know what I want to do now? And I'm like, what? And she's like, I want to garden. And it's like, oh my gosh, like a horror movie. Like she, like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But you know what I, I, I love more than I hate? I love Natalie more than I hate gardening. And she stands out 
among the ladies in my life, including my daughter, who also stands out, right? Uh, she stands out. And so when Natalie wants me to garden, I go garden. And I hate it the whole time. <laughs> a, couple, a couple months ago, this is for free. A couple months ago, uh, I bought her this gift card so she could buy um, lemon trees. She wants lemon trees in Florida, right? So I think it was for Christmas, actually, yeah. So we went to this one place, and there were plants, and there were lemon trees, um, and I had done a really hard workout the day before, and I forgot to cool down, and so my back tightened up when I got up in the morning, but I didn't say anything to her, and so we drove like an hour to this place, and then we're walking around, and I'm just like, uh, uh, and she's like, hey, uh, do you want to buy this lemon tree? And I'm like, yeah, that's not fine. And she's like, okay, well, do you want to buy this lemon tree? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine, whatever, whatever. And she's like, you're ruining this process for me, Doug. And I'm like, Natalie, my back hurts. And she's like, well, it's going to hurt later because you're going to garden. No, she didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> No, 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 Natalie's not that hardcore. Uh, but I totally ruined the experience because I was complaining the whole time. We got in the car, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And then we got home, and you know what I did immediately? I went and planted all her stuff, and it hurt my back more. It really did. But she was like, why did you do that? I said, because I love you more than I hate gardening. It's true, right? That's not me bragging. Well, it's kind of a weird, weird flex, but okay, Doug, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing. This is what Solomon's saying is you look for ways and gestures to love her when you're dating. How can I serve you? Can I take out your trash? Can I bake you cookies? Can I do your homework? Uh, can, you know, whatever. Can I do the things that take care of you? Number two, a quality time. Again, quality time. We've got to spend time together. Eyeball to eyeball. Not a movie. Repeat after me. Not a movie. A movie is not quality time where you like you take her and you sit down or girls you take him and you sit down and you just watch stuff happen on screen then you get up and you're like that was awesome and then you go home. There's no quality time there, right? Now quality time might be watching a movie while you sit on the couch but you don't watch the movie, it just plays in the background and you talk to each other, that's fine. But you're going to have to look at each other and connect. And the, and the last thing here I'll say about quality time is put down the phone, okay? No texting, Doug, uh, while you're on a date or when you're with this person. Quality time, people, they want your undivided attention. Finally, um, gifts. Gifts. Not just anything, don't just give me a crap gift, okay? Like, hey, I found this $1 thing at a Dollar Tree, and here you go. Sure, you needed a dinosaur made in China. That's great. Here you go, right? No, find out what they really want in priority order and get that for them, okay? Don't just give them the crap gift. I am, of all my love languages, I am gifts. There's nothing else, okay? You want to spend quality time with me? I don't receive love that way. Uh, you want to serve me? I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. You want to, like, uh, like, give me a hug? I'm like, fine. Um, right? Words? You're like, you're the best person ever. I'm like, yeah, I knew that. Uh, so that doesn't work for me. But here's what works for me. Hey, Doug, I made you chocolate chip cookies. What? I feel so loved. Right? Doug, I went on your Amazon wish list, and I went to number one, and I purchased it for you. It's coming in two days. Prime. I'm like, that's incredible. So if you're going to be someone who gives gifts, give them the gifts they want. Find out what they want. Give them that and tell them, the reason I know what you want is because I love you because you stand out among the people and I want to communicate to you with my gestures that I, am, I have affection for you. So gifts. Finally, in, in gestures. In words, his banner over me is love. There's some words that are going on here. In what you say, in how you say it, um, in how you craft it, in what pen color you use, in the type of letterhead that you pick out, the way you craft something to them beyond just digital communication, it speaks something. 
Um, so when you're with somebody, one of the ways that you can be romantic is just to send them a text. Hey, I was thinking about you today, and here's one of the things I love about you. I love this very specific thing uh, that I've noticed in you, and the last time I noticed it was on this date. I see this, you are valuable, you are loved, and I love you, right? Um, th- th- so text people that. Call them, hey, I just had a few minutes between a meeting, but I want to call you and tell you that I love you, and I'm just so proud of you, and I love being, you know, you stand out among all the people that I know in this particular area, right? Uh, or you write something and you leave a note. There is, a, there is one girlfriend today <clears throat> who handed me a note for her boyfriend. She's like, hey, can you give this note to my boyfriend today? And I was like, Oh, yeah, are you not going to be here? She was like, no, I'm going to be here. It's like, oh. <laughs> Is he going to be here? She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, uh, are y'all going to be here at the same time? She was like, yeah. I, went, I, I don't know what I'm doing. She goes, no, no, no. Uh, it's like uh, Valentine's Day or whatever, and I just, I'm having intermediaries give these notes just to kind of, uh, just to kind of be creative because I want to communicate to him that I love him. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I got it, and I gave it to him, and he was just like, whoa, right? Look, it doesn't have to be fancy, but it does have to come from the heart, right? Used your words. All right. Uh, so gestures, your words, and then finally here, you notice, in physical touch. Now, left hand's underneath, right hand's embracing, right? Uh, so here's what I want to say about physical touch, y'all, because I want to say this, and then I want to offer a warning because Solomon offers a warning. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of set all this up by saying uh, a really interesting story about me. In seventh grade, I went to band camp because... I was a nerd, um, right? And if you went to band camp, listen, I mean that in the most loving way possible. We were nerds. We love band. I'm owning this. That's what we did, right? But I went to band camp, and I had a girlfriend while I was in band camp because there was, I was there a week, and it was love lasts forever, whatever. Uh, but I'm, I meet this girl on the first day. She was a flautist. Drummers and flautists always get together, right? That just is always kind of things. Dr- drummers and flute players, you guys know this. Some of the clarinets are like, wait, 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 I dated a drummer. Be cool, woodwinds. Just be cool. Um, so she was a flute player. I was a drummer. And so we were kind of like first day, we're like, hey, I like you. I like you too. Like you stand out among all the girls, right? No. Uh, then uh, <laughs> then uh, day two, we're like, we start holding hands. And day three, we're kissing, right? Because it's seventh grade. And right about that point, she just kind of tells me this. She was like, hey, my mom's a sex therapist. Yeah, seventh grade. And I was like, okay. She's like, yeah. I was like, like, what does that mean? She's like, well, she's a doctor who specializes in, in sexuality and helping couples who are struggling with sexuality uh, kind of move towards coitus. And I was like, whoa, what is that word? That is the weirdest thing ever. And she's like, she's like, don't be weird, Doug. That's just what sex is. In, this, in technical terms, it's called coitus. And I was like, okay, like that's super weird. And so she proceeds to tell me about this whole thing. She says, and I wrote this down so I'll remember this. Uh, she, she said she specializes in verbal and nonverbal partner cues and heteronormative sexual progression. And I was like, what does that mean? And she goes, well, basically, most people who get together, couples who get together, they all move towards physical affection in the same scripted manner using a series of cues. It always goes public, then private, then bedroom. And she said, it always works that way. So she said, so for instance, right now this week, we've already held hands and kissed in public. So we're already at the public. She's like, if we keep dating, then maybe we'll move towards private, which is like in a closed room. She's like, and if we, you know, move all the way there, then eventually we'll move to the bedroom. And that's where you express physical affection in a, like, kind of bedroom way, which is coitus. And I was like, oh, there's that word again. Please stop this. 
and I thought this was really insightful for a seventh grader and for all this thing. And so I just kind of filed this away in my little note system that I had that I told you guys about. Uh, here's the deal, right? Here's the deal. This scripted progression is how all of us move in affection, public, private, bedroom. And Solomon is saying, hey, it's really normal when you start expressing affection in gestures and in words and physical to do so publicly, right? Public is great. Hand-holding. For some of you, maybe kissing is part of that thing. Uh, Cheek, lips, some of these things, right? Uh, Hugging. So there's the Christian side hug, right? That's for friends. And then there's like the Christian we're kind of dating hug, which is this. And then there's, there's the crucial thing where you crotch to crotch, right? <laughs> this way, right? That's, that's where it gets really serious. But still, this is a public thing, okay? And this may be part of what happens. And, and keep in mind, there is this internal thing that will start driving you when you add gestures and words. Gestures and words will inevitably, eventually, as they are part of the mix, they will move towards a physical expression of this. Like, you know, you're my boo, I'm with you, we're going, and this is, hey, hug, and then eventually you're here, right? And so here's what Solomon is saying. That's all okay. That's all okay. It's part of the process, So I want to give you kind of three A's on the physical, and then we'll talk about the warning. Here's the three A's. Number one, be aware that there is a progression. Public, private, bedroom. Once you start, it's just like a conveyor belt. It just starts moving that way, whether you can help it or not, okay? Be aware of that, but don't be afraid of that. I say this because I see a lot of couples, especially with conservative religious backgrounds, which are okay. They're like, I want to date this person. I want to marry this person, but I'm afraid if I hold her hand, the next thing you know, we're having sex. And so it just seems like it's a slippery slope to sex and sex is bad. So let me just, I decided we're going to get married. Then I move to another state, right? And so we can never be near one another. Like we just do long distance because that way it's pure. And all. Hey man, at some point you're going to have to cross the physical plane, Right? You're going to have to at some point, it's, it's inevitable, so don't be afraid of it. Be aware of it, but add this third A on there. Be accountable to somebody. Be accountable. Hey, I have this girlfriend. I want to hold hands. We're going to do so in public. Um, if we ever move into private stuff, I'm going to tell you about it because I want you to hold me accountable. What I don't want to do is move towards bedroom until we're married, right? So public, okay. Private, we got to be really careful. Bedroom. Natalie and I had a rule. It was two feet on the couch at all times, okay? And we always, you know, you guys know this. It's like two feet on the couch, and you're like, okay, this is fine. This is fine. So in private, like public, okay, hold hands, display perfection. Private, two feet on the couch, but you find really creative ways to have two feet on the couch. You're like, we're going to do this with two feet on the couch, <laughs> like the weirdest uh, hip flexor exercise ever. Uh, and we also had this other rule, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock p.m., So we could kiss, we could hold hands, whatever. At 9.59, I was standing up. So whatever we were doing, it had to be standing up and shuffling, right? Out the door, right? At 10 o'clock, alarm goes off, I'm out the door. And I had friends, my life group held me accountable. They would text me at 10 o'clock every night. Hey, Doug, leave, go to bed, don't do anything stupid. Doug, leave where you are now, go to bed, don't do anything stupid. And I was like, thank you very much, right? All the way up until marriage. The night before we got married, (laughs) uh, I had a bachelor party and all my best friends were there because they were in there. And we're going to sleep in the hotel room with all my dudes, like in our little room in Oklahoma. Eight Oklahoma, shout out Leah, wherever Leah is. Uh, We're uh, we're there and I'm going to sleep and it's quiet. (laughs) And my, my roommate Brian goes, 
hey, Doug, go to sleep. Don't be stupid. <laughs> I was like, thanks, man. This is really cool. It's like, he's like, I love you. It's the last time I get to tell you that. And I was like, oh, cool, man. Uh, and it was really weird on my honeymoon the next night, like, you know, because it's the night and there's the bathroom and the glitter. We talked about that. And uh, I'm like looking at my phone. I'm like, oh, there's no text. Like, I actually thought it would be one of two things. It would be a joke text that was like, hey, don't be stupid. Or it would be one that was like, everything is available to you now, Doug. <laughs> so yeah, you need accountability there, right? Now, notice with all of the physical, Solomon in his wisdom provides a warning. It's the last verse in this. And what he says is this. I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. You're like, wait, wait a minute. Isn't all of that physical stuff moving towards love? Well, what he means there is erotic love. There can be some expressions of love. There can be, listen, I love you. I have these affections for you. But don't stir up the erotic things until you're married. The, the, the whole thing there is don't do any of this until you're, don't have sex until you're married. I know your hand is under her and your right arm's embracing her, but hey, if you hit the couch and all of a sudden you're, you're above her looking down on her, just recognize this isn't good because we're not married and it's time to do something else, right? So the question becomes like, well, what's the test? If I'm holding hands, if we're kissing or whatever, how do I do that and express affections but not stir up or arouse or awaken love? And I thought about this brilliant clip from Everybody Loves Raymond, and I think it explains it. Watch this. What? Yeah. No, it's a sweeper. And... Sweeper? Yeah. That's what does it for you. No, but, you know, just, I don't know, watching you play with the kids this morning and then, you know, wearing these silly boxers that they gave you and... I don't know, just the fact that you're my husband and you take care of us and the whole picture. Sweeping, just put it over the top. What are you doing to me here? <laughs> what? You're killing me. I just wanted to let you know how I was feeling. Well, you can't kiss me like that. Not, it's Christmas. Allie's up. My parents are coming over sorry, now. Sorry, You've activated the launch sequence now. Yeah, okay. Nice. All right. Yeah. We usually hang ours on the door. Okay. So this is Solomon, right? Listen, it, when she stands out, when he stands out, okay? You say, I want to be exclusive with you. You stand out. I want to move towards marriage. Let's have a DTR, okay? So we start hugging. We're holding hands, interlocking digits. Private. Maybe there's even, I'm sorry, public. There's even some private stuff. Like, okay, I'm going to kiss you before I leave, whatever. All of that's great. Express physical affection. Use words, gestures, do things. But don't activate the launch sequence. Okay? If kissing and holding hands and all that is activating the launch sequence, hold back, Okay? If doing things in public activates the launch sequence, maybe hold back. If doing things in private activates the launch sequence, hold back. Do not 
stir or awaken erotic love until you're married. And then when you're married, everything's on the table, <laughs> okay? You, the only time that you don't have to kind of hold back is, uh, is when you're married. And when you're married, God's going to look at you, and he's going to be like, what are you guys doing? Activate the launch sequence. It's time for this. Uh, it's really funny. I'm doing a wedding this weekend, and I was texting with a couple earlier. Uh, and I was like, hey, guys, what are you guys doing this weekend? It's kind of a joke I send a couple sometimes. Like, yeah, y'all do anything on this weekend? And they're like, yeah, you know, we're getting married, whatever. And they inevitably kind of go, I know what we're doing this weekend. Uh, and we've all obviously had the conversation. And I'm like, listen, I'm cheering you guys on. Like, we've gotten here. You guys have done such a good job. But you know what? You're going to say I do, and you're going to say I do, and we're going to throw rice in the air, and you're going to get in a car, and you're going to drive off, and God's going to look at you, and he's going to say, guess what? It's time to stir and awaken love because you're married. And so here's the deal. Express affection. Add romance to friendship. Words, gestures, physical, but don't activate the launch sequence. And you guys, I think, will be able to be in an engagement process or at least in the dating process, moving towards engagement, that will honor God. Let me give you two other just quick things here just to kind of wrap all this up, and then band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a response song. Here's two other things. Number one, keep in mind, romance is not a tool. I'm sorry, romance is not a metric. Romance is a tool. Let me say that again. Romance is a tool. It's not the metric of your relationship. Here's what I mean by that. Romance is something you add to friendship, to help it along, to get yourself to be aware of your emotions and your thinking and your soul and things that are going on. It's a, it's a helpful tool in your relationship. It's not the metric. Meaning, if you're in a relationship and you just get to that point where you go, man, I don't know what's going on. It just seems like all the romance is gone. Like, it's just, it used to be really hot and heavy, but now it's just kind of cooled off. Maybe we should break up. Romance isn't a metric. Are we romantic is not a metric for the health of your relationship. Romance is something, it's a tool. You can add to the relationship. If the romance is missing, just add it, okay? Married couples, if the romance goes missing, just add it back. It's a tool. It's like a spice. Just throw it on. Not salty enough? Throw on some salt. Not peppery enough? Throw on some pepper, right? Not gingery enough? You do you, man. Like the little celery salt, if that's your thing, great. Ground cumin, whatever, man. It's the spice you can sprinkle on at any time because it doesn't take that much to write a text message uh, or to have a phone call or write a letter or to do an act of service or to buy a gift on an Amazon wish list. And that kind of stuff will add up. It's a tool. It's not the metric. Don't evaluate a relationship based on whether you have enough romance or not, okay? Because any kind of physical romance that's done out of love becomes evaluated as good or bad, right? But when you do that stuff out of love, it's just a part of the relationship. So there you go. Number two. Number two. Remember that community buy-in and career path are the metrics of this phase of the relationship. You're dating. You kind of get up. You're trying to figure this out. You're casually dating. Character, chemistry, competency. Okay. Listen, I want to have a DTR. I think it's time for us to move towards exclusivity. You stand out. I stand out. Okay. Now we're exclusive. We're just, we're constantly doing this and then occasionally doing this. Whoa. Okay. Kind of doing this thing right here. Okay. Listen. Now what I'm trying to evaluate here is, does my community buy into us in the idea of marriage? Are my parents on board? Are her parents on board? Oh, they're not Christians? Well, they know me enough to know that this could be a good thing. Are they as on board as they can be? Are my friends on board? Does there seem to be community buy-in? Is there anybody who has concerns? Okay, we need to hit pause because we need to make sure that the people who are closest to me buy into all of this. Community buy-in. Finally, career plan. 
The Eagles have this famous song, when we're hungry, love will keep us alive. Have y'all heard that song? When we're hungry, love, okay, Spotify that later. I'm old, okay? When we're hungry, love will keep us alive. That's the line, and that's BS, okay? When you're hungry and you love each other, you're gonna starve to death, okay? But you'll be in love as you starve to death. Someone has to have a job and pay for this marriage, okay? And so you're gonna need to have some kind of financial career plan. You can't just run off and get married and hope the money comes in. You gotta have some kind of sound financial plan. And in Orlando, where rent is $1,200 a month for like the smallest apartment available, and gas is expensive, and there's tolls. And listen, you guys know this. Uh, you're gonna need a minimum, you're gonna need a minimum of $40,000 a year, if not more than that, if you wanna get married. And so here's the deal if you found somebody and you're here, and you've checked the five C's, and you've got at least 40000 if not 50000 and you figured out an apartment situation and a way to continue this, here's what I'm going to tell you if you come to me. Hey, we have these five C's, and here's our spreadsheets, okay? So there you go. You can see our you know, cash flow for the next year, right? All the stuff. Cool. Community buys in. Yes, here's a letter of recommendation from all of our friends and family, right? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Go get married, okay? That's it. There's no mystery to that. Once you have those two things, it's time to get married, right? Hey, this has been fun. You guys having fun? Y'all want to have some more fun? Let's, let's stand and sing another song. And while you guys stand, let me just pray for us, and then we're going to jump in here. Jesus, here's the thing. We're talking about our heart and the heart's affections and how to express that. Lord, thank you that that's a part of this cool thing we call Friendship Plus. Lord, we know that none of this would be possible if there wasn't a king who created the idea of love and gave it to us as a gift. We get to love in all ways because you first loved us. And so right now, as we think about this message in romance, I, I just, I wanna have us express back to you, Jesus, that you are ultimately the king of our hearts. You're the one who makes all of this possible. And it's in your name that we sing. Hey guys, Lulu and the band are gonna sing right here. I wanna invite you to sing with them.